What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Songs That Saved Me. I'm your host, Ross James. We've got a little treat for you. We're doing three episodes this week instead of uh, our normal two because I wanted to get this episode with Matt Butler out. Uh, he is the first interview that I did with this directive focusing on the influence of black musicians. And I want to thank him for kind of pushing me into that, uh, onto that path you know, to to lead the conversation with this directive and focus on what we should all be focusing on right now and doing what we can on this platform to steer the conversation that way. So thank you to Matt. Those of you who don't know Matt, he's the leader of the musical uh, solar system known as the Everyone Orchestra. And if you haven't seen it, if you haven't heard it, I'll let him describe it for you. It uh, comes highly recommended from me. I've gotten to participate in it a couple of times. I've gotten to watch it a couple of times. It's always exciting and new and creative and inspiring. So I, I'm really excited about this episode. Matt's a dear friend of mine, and I, I hope you guys like it. Um, just to talk about a couple of things I got going on this week, I'm doing a couple of musical streams that I'm excited about. Tomorrow I'm going to be doing... One, or I guess I'm, I'm recording this on Tuesday the 23rd, but if you're listening to this, the day it comes out, Wednesday the 24th, I'm going to be doing a stream for the folks at the GoPro Mountain Games, and it's also in partnership with Jam in the Van, but I'm excited about it because it's going to be live and with a band, an actual band, not just me staring at a computer screen. There will be other people staring at a computer screen, and it's going to be Mark Levy from the band Circles Around the Sun and my buddy Todd Smalley on the bass. He plays in J.J. Gray and Mofro. You can check it out on YouTube, on the Jam in the Van YouTube page. There'll be a link to it on my Facebook page and also my Instagram page, which is at Ross MF James. And then coming up on Sunday, I'm going to be taking part in a online festival of sorts called Justice Comes Alive. And it's going to be uh, a million of fantastic artists, incredible lineup. I'm going to be performing with Phil Lesh and the Terrapin Family Band. And it's it's going to benefit the Black Lives Matter movement. And uh, I highly suggest you guys tune into that. That'll also be, there'll be a link to that in my Instagram page as well. So make sure you check it out. And uh, a couple more uh, things to plug here. If you're liking the show, make sure you give us a follow on Instagram. It's at songs that saved me. I also just launched a Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash songs that saved me podcast. And there's a Twitter account also, which I don't really understand what Twitter is still, other than our president uses it as a soapbox. So I'm on there now with the show. If you want to give us a follow at songs saved pod, that's what we got on the Twitter. Um, so thank you. Please uh, leave us a review here in the Apple Podcast Store if you're liking the show. And here you go, me and Matt Butler. All right, Mr. Butler. How you doing today, my friend? It's another Monday, late in the stage of this pandemic game. And, you know, I have many blessings and many things to be pretty uh, feeling okay about. Yeah. So I'm doing pretty good, nice. actually. Good to hear. It's good to hear your voice. It's good to talk to you. Um, Likewise, I know. I mean, we've been working on some stuff together musically a little bit, you know, with um, IGE, the uh, nonprofit organization that 
we travel to Europe with every year. I yep. know that you've been doing that, but have you been have you been using this time to work on music? Have you been feeling inspired? I know some people have, some people haven't at all, quite the opposite. And I'm curious, you know, where you've been at during all this. It's, uh, gosh, it's such an interesting time. I, I, I vacillate between being extremely inspired and then kind of just exasperated and unable to deal. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, I'll, uh, I'll, I, I, I will say that I, when I'm in a creative space and I've done a few, a, a lot of drumming, like I've definitely been getting in touch with my inner drummer. I just, I don't drum as much out when I'm working in the music world. Um, and I'm drumming every day, probably hours a day, yeah. playing tracks for all different types of music, experimenting and like getting back into that part of my creativity has been a, a, a silver lining of this situation. Um, the forced innovation that I've, I've, I've approached everyone orchestra in this context has mm -hmm. been extremely challenging and rewarding. And, you know, just having a, a video project where, you know, where my conducting is like where I'm facing the camera is actually kind of like a, <laughs> uh, it opens up a lot of doors for people understanding what everyone orchestra is, which is kind of like, it's, you know, I, I have a, I'm working on other things now because of that. And yeah. so there's, there's things I'm, I'm definitely growing as a, as an artist, as a, as an audio engineer, just running my own little studio. I'm thankful to have this space. And, you know, through IGE, I'm in touch with musicians and, Italy, Spain, Germany, Portugal, Prague, Argentina, and Morocco, hmm. and and have various projects going with musicians in all of those countries right now. Yeah. And it's a that's just a really cool blessing, and it's amazing how we're all on the same page. I mean, you know, and it's even we're we're even on the same page now that you know, there's this wokeness to black lives matter and this like critical mass that's hitting where there's this great change that's possible mm -hmm. because of all this. And, and, uh, just, you know, we've all been quarantined in our houses and now everyone is like ready to like, you know, get rid of white supremacy and, and change the world. And it's, kind of exciting to to see and feel and to be in touch with people from all over the world while this is happening yeah the so. the international support and the international demonstrations that have been happening has really been uh you know uh, profound for me to see yeah. to see it all happening and yeah and, and that sort of reinforcement from everywhere in the world it's just it, it's it can't it can't continue and to to know that people all over the world are watching and feel that same way gives me yep. hope a lot of hope you know yep yeah you know i feel like i had a real shift um from when when i first participated in a protest the the first few minutes i was there i was just like wow this is it this is real this is so powerful um and it was really helpful to go be a part of it you know as long as i felt kind of safe health wise mm -hmm. um it was really important and ever since that moment i've kind of been switched on in a whole different way yeah have your uh have your kids been participating in the protest too um very very much so yeah <laughs> 16 and 19 years old it's they are 
their groups of friends. Uh, they're so ready for it. They're so much more knowledgeable about the history of systemic racism than I was, mm. you know, like two weeks ago, honestly, to be honest, you know, it's embarrassing, but I'm just going to admit it. You know, it's like, I I've learned a lot in the past few yeah. weeks and I feel like that's part of the hope of this process, but yeah. the kids are, they're, they're done. They're, they're over it. And so you know, my daughter that. has some like really fun July plans, which, you know, any plans right now are good, but she's <laughs> got some really fun plans to go, go to the beach with some friends and in July. And she's like, you know, I don't know if I want to go because I want to just stay in and help do this until the change really happens. Wow. So, I mean, and they're going, I mean, they haven't gone every night, but we've gone 11 nights in a, you know, there's been 11 nights of protest so far. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been a few times and our kids have gone probably nine of those nights yeah. in various forms or another. So that's great. All man. been safe. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, but, uh, they're growing. I mean, we have a, a six o'clock protest that's, that's happening every day in Northeast hmm. and I don't know, 10,000 people last night. It's just growing every wow. night and yeah. it's in a neighborhood going from revolution hall to a park. And it's just, it's, it's, uh, an unbelievably empowering and, or, and inspiring and hopeful. Yeah. I mean, I saw a picture of one of the, you know, you're in Portland. I saw one of the pictures of, uh, one of the million bridges, you know, that go over the river there. And it was just people completely packed with people yeah. marching. It gave me chills. We actually laid down on the bridge that, that day. It was super powerful. And that was like, I was weeping. I was totally yeah. weeping. It was so powerful. And now that's happening all over. I mean, you see the, 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 the images of Philadelphia, yes, yeah. um, of LA. I mean, it's just like, you can't, you don't see the end of people. And I just feel like, you know, it's like Trump. The, it's like what Trump wants you to think his uh, inauguration looked it like. Is. <laughs> and I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm so ready for him to be gone and, yeah. and, and for his story, all the lies around him and, and his followers. I just, I'm not, I, I just, I, I'm ready for that to end. And this is kind of the, the beginning of that conversation to, yeah. to bring light to black lives matter and to, change you know the prison industrial complex and you know and change the police system yeah so that's what it's all about and that's yeah, why man. like when i last week when i was getting ready to talk about you know my songs of like no one knows what it's like to be hated <laughs> you know, i was like i was just thinking of like my white kid experience growing up in eugene oregon and and i didn't it it's not that i don't i don't want to talk about it or think that there's something there that's interesting, but it just wasn't what was really, it was hard to focus on, you mm -hmm. know, and I wanted to kind of change the focus, you know, to yeah. the, to the black artists, you know, songwriters and experiences that kind of help shape me and like as, as a musician um, and uh, just kind of deepen that conversation, you know, cause yeah, well, it's I easy. It's, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm so glad that you did, you know, because, uh, I had, I had thought about, you know, putting, pushing pause on, on the show for that reason, uh, just because it didn't seem relevant in, in comparison to everything that was going on. And then I, I wondered if there was a way to sort of change the message a little bit. And I'm so glad that we talked and, and you had this idea because I can't think of a single tune or artist that means a lot to me that isn't directly 
influenced by right. black musicians. Exactly. It's the truth. It's the truth. I mean, yeah, it's all there. Yeah. So well, it's how we all got to here. <laughs> I mean, there'd be no American music if not for black musicians and, and, and black music. So, uh, I'd love to hear about the song number one that, that came to mind when you, when you shifted this discussion. So, so song number one, and you know, this song, this song in particular, um, as I was like searching through the songs would have come up regardless if we, you know, if I would have like wanted to change the focus of, of our topic, but, but it's Stevie wonders living in the city. Um, and, uh, and it's poignant for me because in understanding my white privilege and in my unique upbringing in Eugene, Oregon, it's like we grew up not racist. We have lots of black friends. We had, I had black friends growing up. My parents had black friends and there was no racism in our family, but this whole idea of anti-racism and really being proactive about understanding where the unequity lands and, and is in our society and how we need to fix it just changed my way of thinking. And I was, I was thinking, I, I had this real visceral memory of, you know, I got to remember the album this is on, but, but Stevie Wonder had a bunch of hits around the same time in 82 or something mm -hmm. as this album was out where living in the city was coming. And, and uh, I, you know, I was a competitive tennis player growing up and we would go to our, you know, kind of a podunk tennis club, but, Gosh, I don't know if we, there was a few black members, you know, but it was really a, you know, it was a tennis club. It was a kind of a white person's tennis club. Right. Um, and, um, and living in the city came on, um, on one of the drives out to the club. And I just was like trying to understand like the, especially the, the soundscape where the, the black man gets off the bus in New York city is all excited about being there and somehow gets, you know, involved, you know, with a drug deal. He had no idea and gets put in prison, you know, just like trying to understand what that was about was a real, uh, a moment for me because it just wasn't part of our reality in Eugene and um, didn't, it just, uh, you know, I didn't understand it. And it really, it kind of, it showed, it told such a story that was so important. Um, and I feel like, you know, I, it, it taught me something then, but it, it continued to teach me something down the road hmm. um, of just how uh, the privilege that I walk through the world in is, is, is privilege. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, the struggle is real for black people just to have any kind of normal uh, experience where they're not fearful of being oppressed or, you know, taken in, arrested randomly, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. so, uh, and this, you know, I mean, the song is just so anthemic and so, uh, there's so many parts of it that, uh, that have incredible melodic hooks that just, uh, you know, kind of ring true through humanity really. Mm -hmm. I mean, what kind of stuff were you listening to before this one grabbed your ear? You know, I was at that point, uh, the who, mm -hmm. uh, I would say, you know, was Jimi Hendrix was definitely happening. Um, 
uh, Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. Police. Um, I was starting to get into reggae. Oh yeah, you know, I would say Stevie Wonder kind of was like a stepping stone into 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 black music for me in a lot of ways. I mean, Prince also, but and of course Michael Jackson. Yeah, but 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 reggae start. I started to dive deep into like you know Bob Marley, the entry the entry artist into reggae, into mm-hmm. the Itals, into King Yellow Man, into uh, the Twinkle Brothers, and you know, growing up in Eugene, we had the uh, uh, wow hall which is an all-ages music venue that i sure hope survives this mm. uh pandemic that's a you know it's a it's a cultural center and i was able to go to so many incredible reggae shows and punk and rock shows you know from when i was like 13 you know <laughs> and uh my parents felt okay with it and that was such a cool thing yeah so stevie wonder was kind of the gateway to to a lot of this the black music that eventually became such a big part of of your whole scene yeah for sure for sure and you know i mean have played countless stevie wonder songs hmm. in many different bands since then yeah i mean i think i can't think of one person who doesn't like get down to a stevie wonder tune like at a wedding you know or something like that like right. it, it's it's undeniable and it it can be such yeah. a unifier in 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 moments like that you know on on a large scale or just a personal scale or anything like that his music is so powerful that way um so you know you're you're like in in high school probably around this time is that right uh i think i was in eighth grade i mean okay i I was like middle school into high school is right right in the area and you know it was a funny I was a really small kid. I didn't really hit my growth spurt until I was like between my sophomore and junior year. And, uh, you know, life was, it was funny. I kind of felt like I was being left behind by a lot of my close friends who were just like, like literally a foot taller than me. And, uh, you know, somehow I kept up with them competitively in tennis, but in every other way, I was just this little, I just like my freshman picture, it looked like I'm in fourth grade <laughs> and, you know, I was having like a you know, sexual identity kind of crisis. My brother had come out as gay. And, you know, at the time it was like, it was, it was, you know, I, I, I knew it for years, but, but then I started to think, am I, I don't know. I mean, I like girls, but it's just like this whole strange time you know and and you're just like wondering what's going on and um uh i feel like songs become tags of just they they tag a memory or a feeling Mm -hmm. it's like a smell or something that really brings you back to the core of who you are and uh you know, and I, I just kind of felt like I was like a little kid amongst the big kids, even mm-hmm. though I was in the same grade. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so music actually became quite a refuge sitting behind my kit, putting headphones on, um, playing to Stevie Wonder, playing to the police, the who rocking out for hours was kind of like, you know, kind of imagining what it would be like to be a rock star. Right. And uh, <laughs> now I got a question, you know, um, yeah. When did you start playing drums, first of all? Um, I mean, I got my first drum set when I was like six. Okay. And I I really started playing drums um, like in middle school. I feel like that's when I started playing. Like I would put on headphones and play along with music. I feel like I could play along with the whole song. And mm-hmm. 
I started my first band in eighth grade and had multiple bands um, throughout high school. And I did piano and did all the, you know, did marching band, had an incredible jazz teacher in, in, a, in a high school named Greg Hall, who I got to say, I, I attribute so much of my openness to improvisation, um, to what music could be, to how it brings people together, to just, to, you know, accepting all different approaches to music to Greg. He was just like, you know, we'd, we'd have listening Fridays and he would just spin records and we listened to some really crazy shit. And uh, he was just such a huge inspiration. And I think he's still teaching and inspiring kids. So it's so wow. lucky to have someone like him in my life. I mean, the, a good teacher is everything, you know, whether it, it like you think about how many kids, you know, played piano when they were young because they, you know, their parents put them in lessons or whatever and they didn't connect with that teacher. So they just wrote off music, you know, and, and, and yeah. you can have the total opposite effect. And, um, yeah. but my question about, you know, when you're, when you're playing along, you're talking about playing along with Stevie Wonder and the police and all, all, yeah. you know, music from white people, music from black people. Was there ever, was that even a conscious thought in your mind? You know, when you're playing, you're just playing music, right? Just playing music, and, just playing music. And that's yeah. it, man. That's what's so so powerful about music is those you know those social constructs all that all that bullshit goes out the window when when you're in the song when you're listening to the song when you're experiencing that moment that piece of art none of that is is in the forefront and it shouldn't be you know yeah that's the truth. I didn't know Stevie Wonder was black. And, you know, from the first time I heard the music, I didn't know, you know, until the conversation came up about the the soundscape part of that song. And then at the, then, I, then I saw the album cover. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, I, yeah. I didn't even just say, oh, cool. But I just then I then I knew it. Right. You know, that's that was my yeah, kind of innocent ears. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we could all be back in those innocent years right now, you know. Right. Um. Well, cool, man. I love, I love Stevie. I love that tune. Um, I'd love to hear about a second one, song number two. Um, again, in this kind of the prompts that you send, uh, kind of heading in, into my really the like my my freshman year when I was actually playing drums pretty good by then, um, but I was still just this little scrawny kid who looked like he shouldn't be in high school <laughs> and uh and Jimi hendrix uh was something that like the keg parties i started hearing it and you know he was on the radio and um my my older siblings had played Jimi hendrix and just the the are you experienced became kind of a, a bit of a theme in my personal reality of like you know am i experienced you know it's like just like you know just looking at myself in the mirror and just wondering when am i going to grow up am i and maybe i'm maybe i'm going to be a five foot one you know male you know kind of fears of that and whatever and and so it just was it was kind of speaking to me on 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 so many levels one i just love to play that whole album um, and it was a challenge, but are you experienced that the words of, you know, you know, was I experienced sexually? Was I experienced with drugs? Was I experienced with being a tall person? I don't know. <laughs> it was just like in my whole identity crisis, the song was really, um, was powerful. And, 
it still is in such a like a, a kind of a, a production marvel oh my god that um it's so interesting I, I really still i just still i love it and uh yeah so Jimi hendrix just kind of rocking my world i'll never forget the first time i heard that record and that song that song and fire were the ones that stood out i was 11 years old yeah i was living in fargo north dakota at the time right oh my god <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah how about that and uh, uh, this, this friend, uh, these, this couple that was friends with my parents, like we were at their house for dinner or something. And I had just started playing guitar maybe like a, a year and a half before that or so. And, you know, I was into Green Day and there was like that band Fastball had a hit on the radio and Marcy Playground, you know, all that Everclear, all that kind of stuff was really popular then. Right. And yeah. Uh, that record goes on and and there's a part in fire where he's like move over grover let jimmy take over you know that part and i was like well this dude's super cool man who the hell says that on their own record on the, right before they right? take a solo but then that backwards guitar i know at the top of are you experienced man like i i it it took me so long to figure out exactly what was going on and is the, is the whole thing backwards except for the lyrics? I mean, no, I, guess I haven't. No, it kicks back in. Like, it's just, he's just doing, you know, like, uh, hold on one second. It goes back and forth. Yeah, it goes back and forth, but he's just doing like. Right. It's that rhythm, but he's playing that rhythm backwards. So whatever that rhythm is backwards so that it sounds that way forwards, you know? And, yeah. um, and then it goes back. But I, I remember like. I was a recording like junkie that like instead of homework in high school, all I did was record music on my computer, right? With, with cakewalk software, if anybody remembers. Oh that. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I, there was a spot there, man, where everything was in reverse. Once I figured out what it was, I was just like, right. It's all going to be in reverse. That sounds the coolest, man. Yeah. Oh man, it takes me back. Like, what does it take you back to? Like, where were you? What were you like that moment when you when you first sort of fell into this song? <laughs> well, I I would just crank music up in the shower, uh-huh. and and literally like in this 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 moment of kind of of self identity crisis concern for my you know physical ability uh, to grow and be a man someday (laughs) and to like experience life to its fullest you know just standing in front of the mirror with the shower on steaming and just like just that tune just droning and loud (laughs) and just like staring in my eyes like i don't know I don't know. Uh, just like, like he's speaking to me, just like I don't know experience. I don't know if I've ever been experienced. Oh well, good. I hope I'm so too. You know, so. <laughs> now, have you been experienced? Yeah. Do you feel that you are experienced now? <laughs> oh my god, I am full of blessed experiences yeah, at man. this point. Let me tell you, I yeah. feel so lucky that that I've been on the musical path. That's all I can say. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I may not be like rich in money, but I am, I am extremely wealthy in experience. Mm -hmm. And I mean, 
Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It it set the path. (laughs) Now, are you still, are you still a big Hendrix fan? Do you still listen to, um, like that that stuff a lot? Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. In my adult, like since I started, since I've been touring, which is like literally since 22 years of, of age, you know, I mean, I, I find myself more like wrapped up in just making music than listening to music. Hmm. And I've also like, like in my college years and stuff, I lived with, with audiophiles and people that collected albums and there was just always music around me. And I never really collected it myself. Mm -hmm. I just kind of like, you know, I, I always just kind of gleaned what was, what, what they had. And so, um, like I don't, I don't have a record player anymore. I well, just, gotta, I kind of got rid you. of all my CDs. I'm one of those people. I mean, I, know, I love I hanging out in the living room and going down, you know, and going down that path. And I've definitely been thinking about it. Like in this pandemic world, yeah. I, I feel like I miss the ritual of, of the album and just kind of bringing it out. And, you know, I had moved so many times. I like lost half my possessions yeah, because sure. I just couldn't fucking physically move them. Yeah. Um, I know that you know, in my twenties, yeah. you know, I was kind of like a homeless musician for a number of years when I was in Jam Bay, and it's just like I don't know where that stuff is. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I literally left it in the basement of one of the houses I was in, and I can't remember where it is. Like all huh. my albums and stuff, and so, you know, I just don't curate. I uh, my soundtrack isn't as curated as as it once was, mm-hmm. and I'm more just like thinking about writing music and and creating music constantly. That's yeah. what kind of fills up my short term musical memory. Um, is my honest uh, response to that. Well, I, but, I I tell you, you know, real quick, there's a there's a new Hendrix box set, you know, fairly new called Songs for Groovy Children, and it's uh, it's Fillmore East, um, uh-huh. like New Year's run, and my mother in law to be got it for me for Christmas, and I uh, just a little side note, highly recommend it. I think you would enjoy listening to it. I want to check it out. Yeah, I'll send I it want to, to check you. it out. I'll send it to you. <laughs> you, you know, know, one time I was uh, I was at the uh, Vancouver. I was in Vancouver, uh, BC, for the World Fair. Oh wow! And there was a, a Jimi Hendrix impersonator up there. <laughs> God, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the, one of the best musicians I've ever seen, and like Jimi Hendrix is probably one of the hardest musicians to impersonate and and play you know and impersonation is like it's, it's a, a cheapening of the uh of of the artist this person what they did but i like that was uh you know made me wish i would have been able to experience jimmy live but this person really did a great job so i don't know it's popped in my head of this experience because <laughs> i almost got arrested that day for jaywalking um yeah they don't fuck around with that in canada huh I was like, what? You got to be kidding. He's like, are you questioning me? I'm like, no, I'm just like, I didn't know it was illegal. It's like, I'm going to take you in if you don't shut up. I'm like, I'm shutting up. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I I think Hendrix is a great example of a, of a, of a black musician that really, you know, broke down a lot of those barriers, you know, and he, he broke it down, broke so many barriers down partially because it was, it was, it was that time, you know, the, the time where he was in that public eye, it was 
it was a fight that everybody was fighting for or that a lot of people were fighting for. But yeah. another reason he, he tore it down is he's just so fucking good. You can't deny it, man. You know, yeah. like there, yeah. there's no guitar player on the planet who feels, who doesn't feel that way, you know? And, and yeah. it's just, it's, it's one of those beautiful moments in humanity. That's undeniable. You know, just that level of greatness. You know, he's like fucking Michael Jordan of guitar or something like that. Yeah, know? exactly. And totally. And there's, it's part of it's part of everyone, you know. And and it was yeah, how short his career was and how doing much his he own did. music and stuff. It's right, and it's still like it's so deeply ingrained into our our cultural frat fabric. A hundred percent. I mean, he's just like. There'll there'll never be anybody that does that. It comes close yeah. to touching that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Rad, um, Hendrix, Stevie Wonder. So far, we're doing pretty good. What what do we got for number three? Well, so, well, I'm 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 gonna pivot for just a moment. Yeah. Because right. it became difficult for me to think of a third song, and I, and I definitely I thought of a few extremely important experiences with 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 black artists in my growing up. Um, and you know, I couldn't think of a song, but like Nina Simone hmm. and Ella Fitzgerald yes. were artists that my parents played a lot. Oh, cool. And my mom, uh, you know, she's, she played the Eugene symphony for like 48 years and, uh, Ella Fitzgerald played with the symphony a couple times. Oh my God. And one of the times I was able to go, I was too young to really, I don't remember the show itself. But um, I, my mom befriended the drummer to her band and he invited me up on stage to see their whole setup. And I just remember, I remember that experience of, of, of seeing Ella play with, with my mom's symphony oh um, and how cool he was and how amazing, how, how she was just so revered and just powerful, even when she was, it was late in her life, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, when and that was just a really uh what year would it have been do you know i mean early 80s uh-huh. wow. maybe late 70s wow something like that that's an incredible experience <laughs> yeah i mean um w- does your mom talk about it at all you know do you hear stories oh yeah like she, do they rehearse she just, and all that know, kind of stuff Oh yeah. That's, that's why she, she got to know the band and the band would rehearse more with the symphony than Ella would uh-huh. because that they would come, I think a couple of days early or something and they'd rehearse and then Ella would come the day of the show, they rehearse in the morning and then they do it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, she's just a consummate professional and just, you know, again, just kind of bringing such grace into our lives through art and music. Oh, um, so, and it's a, a, you know, a unique thing to be in a, a small city that has a, a kind of a world renowned, small orchestra that has that kind of artist, that echelon that would come through. Yeah. Uh, it was really, I feel lucky to be, to ha- to have had that growing up. Yeah. Um, I mean, what a beautiful thing too, because I mean, it's a, it's a predominantly white community. Is that right? Extremely. Yes. Yeah, and and to have Definitely. have somebody like that in and and you know, um, per- perform together, come together, and 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 celebrate 
both uh both the symphony and ella in that way like that's yeah that's so cool so yeah. cool, you know and, and i mean your parents listened to her and nina simone when you were growing up what other kind of music did they listen to while you were growing up what else do you remember um you know a lot of classical yeah uh i i was influenced by you know my siblings were seven six seven and eight years older than me so you know they turned me on to the beatles elton john and seals and crofts and you know <laughs> all kinds of stuff that's quite a trio um, that you just mentioned the beatles elton john and seals and crofts i gotta just point that out <laughs> and i and it's funny because i i don't think about seals and crofts i don't listen to seals and crofts that much but it was definitely a soundtrack for a number of years growing up. I mean, they were played as much as any, you know, the Beatles <laughs> or Elton John or any of those bands, you know, it was, it was, they were, they were really uh, spun often um, at our house, but um, let's see who else. Uh, gosh. I'm blanking. I'm blanking on who else at yeah, this point. Yeah. Yeah. Man, but um, what other uh andre segovia oh yeah segovia a lot of andre segovia yeah so it's it's international all over the place kind of where you yeah. were where you started you know that, that makes yeah. a lot of sense because one of the things that i love so much and respect you for um with everyone orchestra is the diversity and inclusiveness you know whether it's you know vernon reed uh, Durga, Robert Randolph, and 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 all the, I mean, there's always, you know, men and women and people of all colors kind of in in your show. And that's, that's something that's so beautiful and coming together to create, even if you don't know these people, you know, if you, if, if that's what's so interesting for those that don't know, everyone orchestra is a, uh, it's, how would you describe it? Why don't you describe it? Which part? Well, Which just part you, you know, like just for if somebody has never seen it, it, it's it's people coming together that you curate, and yeah, and and conduct a uh, live improvisation. And and you know, so I mean, I guess the, one of the early mission statements, and this was even before I was personally conducting, was to build community and to to build diverse community because. I just wanted to try to cross all all barriers and bring as many different types of musicians, um, genres, um, nationalities as possible, and just try to push that envelope as much as possible, you know? So, and the, the form of, of improvisation and the conducting is, is a good co container to bring people together because you're not necessarily playing a style of music you're playing. The group will dictate what it sounds like depending on what the makeup is. So, and it's not always, it's not always easy. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I have to admit, it's like, I'm deeply seeped into the, in the jam band world, uh, you as know, we all are. And, you know, <laughs> emanating from kind of the, the seeds planted by the Grateful Dead and other psychedelic music legends. Um, but, um, but jazz is, is, is a, is a huge part of where I'm coming from and, and funk as I've, I've traveled the nation and been involved in, in jam crews and other just, you know, meeting all the musicians from New Orleans and understanding the power of funk and, and where that plays a role in, in, in my music path, it's huge. Mm -hmm. And so it's, just, it's, it's constantly been expanding. Um, you know, there's, 
there's less female artists in our scene to to pull in and it's i'm always trying to expand and get others yeah um and uh to to you know just to, to have a diverse lineup it's not always the easiest thing depending on where you are mm-hmm. um but it is something i uh, i strive to do as much as possible and it was really in the in the early mission statement of what uh, what everyone orchestra was going to be that was part of it yeah so. One of the things I love so much about it is that you can come together with these people. Maybe you've never even met them before and they could be from completely different backgrounds, have totally different life experiences and play, play in their, in their other life or when they're not on that particular stage, play completely different kinds of music than, than what you play. Yeah. But when you get, when everybody comes together and we're all just looking at you, see what you write on that iPad, it, it's another instance of all that shit going out the window. And and we're just right. here in this moment together, humans trying to have a good time. And and it and it feeds the crowd feeds on that. You know, it's this beautiful thing that I'm always happy to be a part of. And I think it's it's as powerful now as it could ever be, you know. And I I look forward to when you can start blowing the roof off the place again and start celebrating with all these people, man. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I got to say the oh, video gosh. you did was, it was quite impressive that you were able to execute uh, an everyone orchestra performance virtually yeah. like that. It was pretty awesome to see. And, and what you're saying, you know, like, Matt conducts these shows. So a lot of times his back is turned to the crowd. So people maybe for the first time are actually getting the chance to see what we right. see as musicians. <laughs> right. I know. That's exactly. Well, I'm doing another one right now. So, Good, you know, man. with, a, with a few different angles of how to do it. So we'll see if I can continue to carve that magic and share it in the virtual way. Yeah, man. Well, but yeah, doing it in person, I feel like uh, it's, it's, it's almost hard to, to to imagine hmm. right now <laughs> you know it it's seems, like i just might yeah. start crying you know as we start to play it's like it's like whew, no, i'll never take it for granted again it'll be powerful whenever whenever it happens i mean it, it's 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 weird like you say it seems like a million years ago that we were doing it and it seems a million years away from when we're going to be able to do it right now i know it's not going right. to be but and we'll be there before we know it but it will it will be overwhelming no doubt when we're back yeah Yeah. well shit man i I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this and also for helping steer the direction of this conversation to what we should all be talking about and focused on right now it uh, yeah it's it's really important and i know how much it means to you and how big of an influence it's been on you so thank you Dude, thank you, Ross. I uh, I have so much respect for you, and it's it's great to have this conversation. And uh, I look forward to playing music with you as soon as as soon as we can. Me too, man. Me too. Well, there it is, another episode of Songs That Saved Me with my good friend Matt Butler. Hope you guys dug it today. Uh, thanks again to him for for steering the conversation in the right direction, and that will continue to be going on in the foreseeable future because that's what we all should be focused on until there's real change happening. I have a few episodes, um, you know, that have been recorded for a while that I'm going to start putting out in the next couple of weeks. Lots of new stuff coming up. I've got one with chef Wiley Dufresne coming out next week. 
lots of stuff that I'm excited about. More to come here on Songs That Saved Me. So give us a follow on Instagram to stay tuned to the latest and greatest. And don't forget to leave us a review right here in the Apple Podcast Store. We'll see you next time on Songs That Saved Me.